Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. May the Lord bless you tonight. Thank you. You folks make it very difficult for me to be humble. <laughs> it's always a tremendous blessing to be with Pastor Campbell. I appreciate his leadership, uh, his uh, great relationship, his support, and all this wing of our fellowship uh, that is uh, such a great blessing to the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 13. The book of Acts, chapter 13. It was the prophet Jeremiah who, in his uh, prophecies, mocked the people of his day who worshipped dumb idols. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't speak. And he mocked the people who worshipped dumb idols that were not alive uh, and especially who could not speak. This evening I want to point out to you a tremendous statement of the Scripture in Revelation in Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 5 about a God who speaks. This is a turning point in the ministry of the gospel And the Holy Spirit records this for us in Acts 13, verse 1. It says, Now in the churches at Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Very simply, I was talking to Mark Olson today, and he said... Uh, Uh, In the last uh, 35 or so years, he said, I've heard what you preached this morning in several different versions. (laughs) You probably have heard what I'm going to preach tonight in several different versions, but I guarantee you this is a new sermon. (laughs) I want to talk to you about a God who speaks. In this text, we, first of all, have the voice of the Spirit. Now, We need uh, some qualifiers to this. We have people 
uh, from time to time they say, uh, God spoke to me. But sometimes, as Pastor Scott Lamb said, the voice we hear sounds strangely like our own. This can be an excuse for a sanctified self-will. We're going to do whatever we're going to do. And so we say then, God spoke to me. And it really isn't God speaking to us. It's our own selfishness and self-will. We're going to do what we want to do. But in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, uh, whether they are of God. Now, God uses various means to speak uh, his will and his voice. And here in this text, these people are seeking God. As they're seeking God, fasting and praying, in verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So here we have a historical record that that historical record says for us, God does speak. Can you say amen? God does speak. In the book of Acts, chapter 8 and verse 26, said an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So here we have a visible manifestation of God's power speaking in spiritual dimensions. But as we examine this for a moment, don't miss this principle They had open hearts, and by those open hearts, uh, they allowed God to speak uh, and give them direction. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 28, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. In the book of Acts chapter 16, 6 and 7, now when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and after they'd come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit would not allow them. So here we have the understanding that God does speak. He speaks in various ways in a spiritual dimension, but don't miss this principle. These people had open hearts, and they were seeking God's will, and as they were seeking God's will, God spoke to them a word. They're prophetic words. We thank God for people who speak in prophecy and speak into our hearts. In the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 28 says, then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, uh, which also happened in the days uh, of Claudius uh, Caesar. So here we have a prophet of God. This prophet of God speaks, uh, and as they were warned uh, by this circumstance, uh, they began to prepare, they began to seek, re- uh, make relief uh, and relief the efforts to the church. Uh, and there's a profound personal dimension this evening that we need to look at, uh, and that is that God will speak to us uh, in some form, way, or means uh, when we have an open heart. Uh, because the Spirit of God will speak. Acts chapter 21, verse 11. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. This is the same Agabus. Bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man 
who owns this belt and deliver him uh, into the hands uh, of the Gentile. Now, here's a sensitive issue. This sensitive issue is uh, that here is a genuine prophet. Uh, This genuine prophet is actually speaking. He's already recorded, uh, and uh, what he says is legitimate. Uh, It's already been proven that when he speaks, he speaks by the Spirit. He says to the Apostle Paul uh, before the the, uh, gathered assembly, this is going to happen to this man, and this is true, and it came to pass. But the Apostle Paul made a personal application, and as he made that personal application, he overrode the opinion of those who heard this prophecy, and the Holy Spirit had already spoken to Paul personally that this is going to take place, and he knew that this was going to happen, but his destiny was linked to how he's going to interpret uh, this word uh, that is given to him. Now, each of us seated in this building tonight uh, are responsible to God for our own souls. As you're sitting in this conference, uh, I have no doubt that God has spoken. Whether you've obeyed or not uh, depends on your own spirit uh, and your own heart, but God does speak, uh, and you cannot deny it. And your destiny tonight is linked to how you're going to interpret what God is speaking to you. I want to talk to you about, first of all, the voice of the Spirit. Then I want to talk to you about the voice of the Bible. This is the age tonight of feelings. The criteria that many people depend on is how do I feel about this personally? Someone said uh, these words, uh, they may forget uh, what you spoke, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Now, this is the generation in which we live. Because you can have feelings, but those feelings uh, many times uh, are based on religious entertainment, uh, religious words, uh, and religious entertainment has seized center stage in the generation uh, and which we live. Worship to many people is people on a stage uh, singing music uh, and very little else is taking place in that. Uh, and when they leave this, the, the, uh, the place where this takes place, they said, I have worshiped God because these people made them feel religious uh, and made them feel good about themselves uh, or gave them some kind of a religious uh, goosebumps. Uh, but I want to point you tonight to the Bible. The Bible has a voice. The Spirit of God has a voice, uh, but the Bible has a voice, and the Bible speaks. uh, And the Bible says in verse 5, they preach the Word of God. I want to tell you, if anything ought to be a mark of our fellowship is that we preach uh, the Word of God. Can you say amen tonight? God, give us Bible preachers. This is the age of storytellers. This is the age where people have the ability, charismatic people, to make people feel religious. And because they feel religious, they feel they fulfill the will of God. But I want to tell you, the Bible has a voice. And that voice needs to be paid attention to. And it says they preach the word of God. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, 20 and 21, uh, the Bible says, Knowing this first, 
that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is the only enduring reference point that you're going to have in life. They may forget what you spoke, but they never will forget how you made them feel. But I want to tell you tonight uh, that if you will put your confidence in the Word of God uh, to do the work of God, uh, the Holy Spirit of God uh, will powerfully confirm that, uh, and the Bible has uh, a voice. This is the day when doctrine is mocked. People mock people who will uh, stick to doctrine, uh, and this is the enduring uh, reference point uh, because today in this generation, uh, Christianity is dependent upon the flavor of the month. I take various kinds of Christian magazines. Pastor asked me, Pastor, what kind of magazines do you take? I said, well, I take several. I take Charisma just to find out what not to do. I take Ministers Magazine to find out what not to do. Because the Christian world in which we live has gone absolutely nuts. Things are being preached, things are being practiced that are not according to the Word of God. We just last year went through a rash of religious insanity for down in Florida, close to where Ron Myers is, no doubt. There was a man named Todd Bentley and 30 to 40,000 people a month are flying into this place from around the world. And this man, backed by God TV, so-called, had made this statement, we do not need to preach Jesus. The angels will do that. Run for your life. Can you say amen? Run for your life. He had a female angel, he said, named Emma (laughs) that came walking into his place of ministry. This is where he got his supernatural power, Uh, but uh, he's a flash bang. He's a whiz bang, a whiz today, a bang tomorrow. He's no longer on the scene. Uh, We find out that more than Emma was on the scene. The Bible says to the law and to the prophets, if they speak not according to this, their testimony is false. All he needed to do was say that one statement, uh, we do not need to preach Jesus uh, because the angels will do that and you can just take the book uh, and throw it away because the very last words of Jesus were going to all the world uh, and preach the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen tonight? Let the Bible speak tonight. In the book of Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own step. We need God to help us tonight. 
The Bible says in the book of First Timothy chapter 4, uh, 2 Timothy rather, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, uh, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, uh, and they will turn their ears away from the truth uh, and be turned aside uh, to fables uh, or to fiction uh, or to nonsense. Let the Bible speak. See, the Bible is able to defend itself if you will speak it. Someone used this tremendous illustration. This is, a, this is an age of apologetics. Uh, people are speaking. They're uh, practicing what they call apologetics. They enter into rational reasoning concerning spiritual things. Uh, but someone said, uh, the Bible, you don't need to defend the Bible. Uh, it's like a lion. A lion doesn't need to, uh, 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 any help from you. A lion will defend itself. Can you say amen? Uh, because the lion is the king of beasts. Uh, and the moment a lion goes, whoa, every animal in the fur, they just begin to quiver. <laughs> I read an illustration said uh, they always have uh, speculated about a lion and a tiger who would win the battle? A tiger is, uh, is, is, is faster than lightning. Uh, and they put a lion and a tiger together in a conflict. Uh, and they're, they're, they're fighting around, growling around. Uh, and all of a sudden, the tiger just slumped to the ground. One blow from the lion crushed its skull. You don't need to defend the Bible. Just preach it. Can you say amen? Just preach it. Paul is constantly admonishing in Acts 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. First Timothy 4, verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. It was those disciples uh, who are walking along the road to Maos. Uh, they're speculating uh, on the events of the day uh, when Jesus Christ has been crucified. Uh, on the third day he rose, they're commiserating, walking along uh, when Jesus came alongside of them uh, and began to open the scripture to them. Uh, and they say in historical perspective, did not our hearts uh, burn within us? Oh, listen tonight. If the word of God uh, cannot move you tonight, uh, then you need to be dead and buried. Uh, go sell used cars. Do something. Uh, if the word of God does not move you, I'm listening this morning uh, to these fine men, Hector and James Martinez. Uh, I'm listening to these men. And I'm listening. My hearing isn't perfect, but I heard enough for my heart to burn within me as if these are men that are preaching the word of God. Can you say amen? Thank God for this tonight. Let the Bible speak. The Bible has a voice. Thirdly, I want to talk to you about the voice of need. Now, the danger tonight is that we will over-spiritualize the circumstances uh, uh, that we have. You know, as we uh, 
uh, as we have the, uh, uh, the text is there, Jesus instructs us, uh, and uh, there's a man who comes to him and says, uh, good master, what must I do uh, to have eternal life? Uh, and uh, he spoke a, a couple of words, uh, and then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and this man said these were, who is my neighbor? Jesus told a little parable uh, of a certain man that went down to Jericho. And he says, as this man went down to Jericho, he fell among thieves who stripped him naked, left him by the roadside wounded, half dead. And a priest went walking by, a preacher went walking by, and he wouldn't even go on that side of the road. Next, a deacon went walking by. He, he went over and looked at him and said, too bad, and went on his way. And then a despised Samaritan came. And Jesus uses that specific imagery to rebuke his generation that could not feel the compassion of human need. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is, the answer came, a person who is in need. You see, this evening as we're gathered into this place, the response that we will give to human need defines us of who we are. We need to be a people, the Bible says, who has mercy. Jesus said to this man who asked him the question, you go, and who is it that had compassion on the other? Or in other words, who had a feeling for a person that is in need? And he said the Samaritan was doing the will of God. I want to bring you to an understanding for a moment because at this point there is the natural and the supernatural that is involved. Jesus gives to you and I tonight uh, the Samaritan challenge. He only traveled outside the land of Israel one time when he went up uh, and the, uh, to Tyre and Sidon in that area. And a Syrophoenician woman came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and as she came, uh, she had a daughter that was desperate. Uh, and that daughter that was desperate was demon-possessed. Uh, and Jesus shows us an illustration of something tremendous that we need to see. She said, my daughter is at home demon-possessed. Jesus said, uh, it's not right to give the, the, the children's bread to dogs. This woman responded back quickly and said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs are able to eat the crumbs from the children's table. And Jesus marvels and said, I've not found such great faith. No not in Israel, uh, and he had compassion on her uh, and healed her uh, because we're dealing tonight with compassion. Jesus uh, uh, had the Samaritan challenge uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 4. He said, I must needs go through Samaria, and in Bible days, uh, Jews did not go through Samaria. They crossed over from the, uh, from the uh, Sea of Galilee, went into the province of Perea, crossed the Jordan River, walked down to the area of Jericho, crossed back over to go down to Jerusalem. But Jesus said, I must needs uh, go through uh, Samaria. John 4, 35 and 36 uh, gives us a tremendous vision uh, of the compassion uh, and the mercy and the love of God that reaches out to human need. 
Listen to these verses. He brings deliverance uh, to this woman. He brings salvation to this woman. She goes back and testifies, uh, and the whole uh, uh, city came out uh, to hear the Lord Jesus uh, and said, now we believe, not because of your testimony, but we believe because we've heard him ourselves. Uh, and then Jesus spoke these words to his disciple. Disciples always are difficult getting the point. How many of you know? <laughs> the reason is... Uh, is that they become religious, and as they become religious, they cannot respond as is the normal response to human need. Listen to John four thirty-five and 36. Do you not say there's still four months and then comes harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're already white unto harvest, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Now, Jesus came into a lost world. I want to appeal to you a moment to open your heart to human need. The fields are white unto harvest. And Jesus said, the laborers are few. You've heard that before. But now I wonder if you're able to really hear that from the desperation of human need. I was just in Holland. I came back Wednesday night late, arrived early Thursday morning from Holland. They're in their conference tonight. They're completing that. But I did a tent crusade in Breda, Holland. As we were there uh, and gathered together, here comes human need, cancer, crippling injury, deaf ears, desperation of body, soul and spirit. Uh, And I want to tell you, there's no satisfaction in all the world uh, like seeing God reach down and in a moment of time do something human beings cannot do, uh, and that is heal deliver and glorify himself uh, as he responds to fill the heart uh, and the soul of people. I cannot speak the Dutch language. It sounds to me uh, like it's unbelievable. (laughs) I'm just listening. It doesn't make any sense at all. I can't speak Dutch, but an interpreter can take what I say, move that into a human heart, uh, And Jesus Christ, make himself known to people who look to him. I could name countries around the world. A man came to me tonight trying to invite me to come to preach for him. I said, Pastor, my my plate is full. I have all kinds of places to go. My plate is full. I feel I suggested some men that he might uh, invite to preach. But I'm saying to you tonight, uh, there's a world that is in desperate need. They're waiting for you to send workers into the harvest field. They're waiting for you to respond. Some of you in this conference, you've heard the voice uh, of need. God has been dealing with you about human need. Simply coming to conference, hearing some sermons, uh, that doesn't fulfill the need. Till someone puts boots on the ground, till someone puts the sole of their feet in a city, in a state, in a nation, the need is not going to be met. And I'm saying to you that I'm opening my heart to you and asking you, fulfill that need 
because the need is great in the harvest field. Here are these Samaritans. They are a moral and a spiritual mess. That's why the Jews would not travel through is because these were resettled people from Babylon and a mixture of all kinds of religion. It was unclean. They were morally unclean as the woman at the well who'd had five husbands and living with the sixth demonstrated. They were immoral and a spiritual man. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria because here's a desperate woman. And she had a desperate need, and Jesus was concerned about that one precious soul that had a need. Now, as we look at this for a moment, uh, we need to make a spiritual application, also a natural application. Uh, In James 2 and uh, verse uh, 15 and 16, uh, the Bible says, If a brother or a sister uh, is naked and destitute of daily food, uh, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, uh, but do not give them uh, the things that are needed uh, uh, for the body, what does that profit? This reaches down to the reality uh, of the hour in which you and I live. People are desperate today. Many people who, for the first time in their life, in this generation, uh, have seen now there is no jobs, uh, now there is no resources, uh, and the church of Jesus Christ is going to have to respond uh, to those uh, who have need. Last year, late, this began, the crunch began to come. I had to help out, uh, I think, th- three or four different churches. Uh, their people lost jobs. Uh, they were in construction. They no longer were able. Uh, and uh, uh, we were able to reach in to resources. We were able to help, help them. And uh, if uh, God doesn't turn, uh, then this is going to rest upon us again. Can you say amen? Uh, that we're going to have to respond uh, because these are precious people. They've been faithful. Uh, they paid their tithe. Uh, churches paid their tithe. Uh, And uh, we have to take that responsibility. Uh, If you're a church planter, that's one of the responsibilities that you have. In the book of 2 Thessalonians 3.10, says, For even when we were with you, we commanded this, uh, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Uh, And so there's a personal responsibility, but there also is a uh, covenant relationship uh, that you and I have. uh, And this is natural and this is spiritual But I want to focus in on you for a moment uh, on a historical fact. And that historical fact is uh, that the voice of need is a very real need, both physically and spiritually, uh, and the church of Jesus Christ uh, is responsible. If we lose the ability to hear the voice of need, we might as well shut up our doors and fate has already decided what our future is going to be as a church. Can you say amen? We have to engage the world in which we live in the need of their spirit. This is going to involve street evangelism. Every church that I know that is growing is doing outside evangelism. Every church I know that is shrinking uh, is not obeying God in evangelism. You must engage people in street evangelism. You must engage them in door-to-door evangelism. You must engage them in impact teams, outreach, uh, and concerts uh, because the voice of need is saying to you tonight, uh, you must respond uh, And there's a need that's crying out. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is the world around you that is in desperate need. I was thinking today as I was pondering. I was driving over here from uh, 
uh, from the hotel, and I'm stunned. I mean, I was here, I think, a year ago, and there's booming business everywhere. There's buildings, there's streets, uh, there's new freeways, uh, and uh, building projects going up. And I said, isn't this a marvelous thing, what God is doing here in this valley? Now, think with me in my reasoning. I remember when the Chandler Church opened. Chandler was a little nasty burg. They opened in a abandoned A&W root beer stand. That was our first building. I'm looking around now. I'm seeing buildings. I'm seeing prosperity. I'm seeing beautiful homes. I'm seeing this whole area. Say, well, that's just a natural way thing. Are you sure? What about the need that the Chandler Church has responded to through the years? See, that costs a lot of money. Church planting costs money. World evangelism costs money. Are you sure that this building boom in this area is because this is just a natural process, microchip? Are you sure? Or could it be that this body of people have responded to world need. And because of that, God is blessing with jobs, with houses to live in, with incomes, and God is blessing that need. Years ago, I began to pray. We had the burden of world evangelism. We're planting churches. Prescott's a little redneck city. When I went there in 1970, there was 13,500 people there. And as I, it began to dawn on me, Lord, if we're going to keep doing this, we're going to have to have some people have jobs. I'm asking you to bless this area, Lord. I'm asking you to bring in business, bring in industry, bring in something that these people can make a living at uh, and support their families and give to world evangelism and church planting. Today, Prescott, Arizona has 49,000 people within the city limits. Prescott Valley has more than 35,000. There's only 50 people lived there when I went there in 1970. Chino Valley has 20,000. And who knows how many more uh, out in the fringes, camping in the hills and so on. Who knows? I don't believe that that's an accident. Who wants to move to Prescott, Arizona, redneck city? But God has blessed because these people in the Prescott Church heard the voice of need. Heard the voice of need. It was Isaiah who God gave a glorious visitation. What is it, Isaiah chapter 6? I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And the doors of the doorpost shook at the cry of holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah said in that somber moment, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Lord reached down and got a coal, touched his lips and said, your lips are cleansed now. And then came this voice saying, who will go for us? There's a world, dear friend, that is in desperate need. And that desperate need makes a cry, a voice. And if you're able to hear it, 
Remember what I said. These are people who prepared themselves to hear from God. There's a voice of the Spirit. There's a voice of the Word of God. And there's a voice of need. All of these tonight are grasping, grasping at your heart. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. There are people here this evening. Your hearts are not right with God. You're not saved. God's dealing with you tonight about eternity. Jesus Christ brought you into this building tonight to hear of the love of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord, died on Calvary's tree for you. He shed his blood for your sins. He was buried. He was raised the third day. And he's waiting for you to make a response tonight. And your heart is not right. Some of your backslidden. The Lord's dealing with you right now. Quickly. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.